Thanks for tuning in to this week's episode of the A Few Dangerous Women podcast. It's our mission to bring women to the table who are having kingdom impact in our culture, across different spheres of influence, to talk about following Jesus into these spaces, and also talk about women of the Bible and some of the lessons that we can learn from them. Welcome to this week's episode of the A Few Dangerous Women podcast. In this week's episode, we have Esther Wanja. Esther is an international development professional who is passionate about sustainable and inclusive development. She's keen to work to improve the lives of Africa's vulnerable populations through innovative strategies and program excellence. Her desire is to utilize her experiences, gifts, talents, and voice to bring about lasting change in the community. She also desires to catalyze and raise up a generation that wholeheartedly pursues Jesus. In 2020, Esther launched The Relentless Culture, a ministry that's committed to inspiring, encouraging, and stirring up a relentless pursuit of Jesus. In today's episode, we'll be talking about community development, discipleship, and young women. Esther, welcome to this week's episode. Hey! Let me just tell you, Maria. First of all, I've just brought the ratchet to your podcast, but I'm pretty sure I have my people somewhere out there. But it's such an honor to be here, honestly, Maria. I am such a huge follower, cheerleader, and believer of everything that God has called you to do, and especially with this podcast. It's such an honor to be here. I'm so glad to have you here. Finally, I've been waiting for this day. Finally. The, the people need to know what, what you bring to the table. <laughs> the people shall uh, know. They're going to learn today. Oh, Lord. Okay, so tell us a bit about yourself. <laughs> well, Maria, um, so where do I start? I am a daughter, a sister, a friend, a follower of Jesus, a lover of all things coffee, nature, um, memes, Holy Ghost memes. Um, and I'm just really passionate about women and discipleship and just encouraging other people to not only relentlessly pursue Jesus, but also discover what God has put them on earth to do and just relentlessly go after it. Amen. Amen. Okay, so tell me yeah. a bit about your professional background like your your career what made you choose that what did you study in school great so in I studied international relations for my undergrad and then for my master's I did um, in international development and just from a very young age I was always the person who is always empathetic or just really wanted to help other people. And that really led me into the development space and just trying to see, okay, how can I improve the lives of just the community around me and especially in Africa? So I'm passionate about development, sustainable development, Mm -hmm. but mostly in Africa because it would always bother me going into classes and I'd always hear about like development and all these developed nations and always being given like all these um westernized concepts and that's great but it really bothered me that we never really had our own voices represented at the table so I wanted to just venture out into that but backstory is that I actually wanted to do medicine um, growing up and I don't know if it's because of watching too much of Grey's Anatomy but then I basically did an internship um, at one of the leading hospitals here in Kenya And I just soon discovered that this life is just not for me. Like there were just either too many people dying. I was crying. I didn't even know these people. So I was just like, no, this is not my field. And I want to have a rest and a holiday. So Mm -hmm. then I just ended up in um, 
international development. It was really just a by chance thing, mm-hmm. uh, but it was fueled by just noticing some of my interests and passions and desires like from growing up. And then once I stepped into the classroom and started learning more about development and especially in Africa, yeah. uh, so I was like, this is it. Wow, that's amazing. So what's the most exciting thing for you when it comes to international development? What are you excited to see happen? I'm excited to just really see the the livelihoods of of our community, of Africans, of Kenyans, just really improve. And I'm excited to see that being led by our own people, Mm -hmm. not just um, what we're being told by other people, but our own people and not just our own people, but our own people who are equally like in the kingdom, there's nothing as amazing as going into a boardroom and someone is both born again and mm-hmm. knows their concepts and their stuff. So I'm excited to see what that looks like. I'm excited to just see us take control of and own our own story and tell mm-hmm. our story the way it should be told. Yeah. Oh man, that's amazing. And you've just touched on something that I'd love to ask you about. You mentioned seeing people who are believers or people from the kingdom in these international development spaces. But what has it meant for you these past few years to be a follower of Jesus in a secular space? How have you represented Christ there? Girl, let me just tell you how I'm always saying that, you know, not everyone will have the opportunity to run into a church, but they will have an opportunity to run into you. Mm -hmm. And it's so important how we represent Jesus in those spaces because it's, it's so sad that, you know, majority of our workplaces, especially like in the secular settings, like Christians are the ones who are known for being like the most mediocre. You're the last one to come to work, but you're the first one to leave claiming you're going for like a Bible study or a prayer meeting. And so what's that, what that has looked like for me is that I've had to be very intentional and diligent in my work, remembering that when I'm in that space, I'm representing Christ. And what a great honor it is to just recognize that you're an ambassador of Christ, meaning it's not your time to be lazy. It's time to go the extra mile. Sometimes it looks like just, you know, just making sure that you're crossing all the T's and dotting all the I's. So it's just really looks like, I think when I go into work, I always bear that that responsibility and that weight of, wow, I'm not just representing myself. Mm-hmm. I'm representing the King of Kings. As a result, I have to carry myself like so, so much so that I don't have to open a Bible to witness to my colleague. My yeah. work will speak for itself and will get yeah. me into just that opportunity space yeah. to have them even ask me about God. Yeah. Oh, wow. wow, that's incredible. And what has been the most, the hardest or most challenging thing just about your, your professional space? I think the hardest thing has been not having a response that is like the world if mm. that makes sense yeah so when when you know you either get into times when it's like a toxic space um unfortunately i had to go through that this year mm-hmm. of just you know certain injustice is being done to you yeah. is not responding like you ideally would and and that's been the hardest thing is just looking on the glory to overlook an offense yes. right uh-huh. that's been the hardest like just remembering I can't respond in the way that someone else in the world would respond, whether it looks like, because to be honest, Maria, and I think, you know, this, there's, there's a bit of me that's just like proper petty ghetto. Like I will send you an email back or, you know, (laughs) that is me. 
Yes. But then I have to constantly remind myself that I can't respond in that way. Um, yeah. Even if I'm justified to, I have to overlook certain offenses mm-hmm. and just respond in a way that my response is equally just mm-hmm. showing who I'm serving and that I'm of a different spirit. So I think that's been the yeah. hardest thing is yeah. just reminding myself in those spaces, whether it's being del- diligent to the work or whether it's just being... Um, careful to just respond in a way that honors god yeah no oh, man that's amazing. yeah and i just love but what that's you also said. not to say that you should take it sorry that's also not to say that you should you know take injustices lying down mm-hmm. there's there's a right way to go about it but yeah. it's also just the the way in which our human um just our humanness like when someone sends you a rude email like you're not trying to say bless you you know what i'm saying <laughs> you're really not <laughs> It's like I do not hope this finds you well. You know what I'm saying? Kind of yeah. energy. That's the kind of energy. Okay, I used to bring. <laughs> oh my gosh! And I love what you've said this about that part of being of a different spirit, and just even how Caleb yeah. of a different spirit, and that distinguished them. And I think even when we're thinking about making disciples, even in the workplace, it starts by being yeah. that light and being a different spirit first. Absolutely. And speaking of being a absolutely, um, last year you mm-hmm. launched the Relentless Culture. So yes. tell us oh, about yeah. that. So um, the Relentless Culture was a ministry that was that I really um, stepped into mm-hmm. in 2020 last year around September, mm-hmm. and God had really just been putting it on my heart um, just to encourage and just use my words. Yeah. Um, to even just raise and equip a people whose culture and way of life was to pursue Christ, especially in this culture where it's not convenient, where it's not easy, where it's Mm -hmm. not comfortable um, or popular. And the name Relentless is really just to, to I feel like God was kind of just reminding me what I would need to be because it Mm -hmm. ended up being my whole word. Um, When you look at the word Relentless, it means unceasingly intense. It means unwavering and tenacious. Mm -hmm. And so... Basically, it's just inspiring a culture or raising up a people whose way of life is to say, man, I know that I may fall sometimes. I know that it's hard. I know that it's not comfortable. It may not even be popular in Mm -hmm. my time of day, but I'm going to pursue Jesus closely. I'm going to stand firm. I'm going to love well, and I'm going to reach out to the lost through my witness. So it was just really birthed from a place of just wanting to step out and do what God had called me to do and finally partnering with God Mm -hmm. on what he had been calling me to do. Now, the funny thing is it had been within me for like years. I just never thought that God would use me in that way or that Mm -hmm. I would even have anything to bring to the table. Mm -hmm. But just recognizing that our lives are instruments in God's beautiful symphony. And Mm -hmm. it's not about comparing your sound to someone else, but it's about Mm -hmm. playing your part, whether it's looking like you're that triangle in the orchestra where you only, you know, it's just one or whether you're actually the cello or you're, Mm -hmm. you know, piano, whatever part you have to play is just playing it well. So that's what relentless culture is about. Gosh, wow. So what has been the most fulfilling or exciting thing about it so far? (sighs) The most fulfilling thing has been just every day. So right now it's just looks like writing down and, you know, having words every day. So 
I was very diligent about that in 2020. I don't even yeah. know how I did it, but somehow mm-hmm. every single morning there's a devotion up. Yeah. And I think the most fulfilling thing is knowing that it has changed people's lives and, no- mm-hmm. and knowing that it's not been me. And, yeah. you know, when someone sends a message and says, hey, I'd like to know the God that you're talking about, mm-hmm. that to me is everything yeah. because one soul is actually too many. And yeah. so that has been the most fulfilling part, just waking up every day and just walking in the authority that God has given me and in obedience mm-hmm. to what he's called me to. Yeah. Um, yeah, that's been the most fulfilling part about it. And what's been the most challenging thing about that to to have something that a vision that God's given you to start it and to continue it? What's been hard about that? Ah, wow. There's do you are you here the whole day? Do you do you have time? Gonna <laughs> be a five part series. Um, I think I think the hardest thing, and you would know this because you mm-hmm. you know you're also like a visionary, whether it's with Facebook followers or with this podcast and a few dangerous women. Mm. I think the hardest thing about being a visionary is sometimes you're the only one who knows exactly what God has told you to do. And so you bear the responsibility. And sometimes, especially because I tend to be a bit of a perfectionist, Mm -hmm. is delegating and finding people who understand that vision. So you end up doing everything. You're the designer, you're the editor, you're the Mm -hmm. person who's thinking and praying about what needs to go out. And so just having to do that and I'm slowly by slowly just learning to relinquish control and just saying that God you will bring whoever needs to come and listen to this message whoever needs to partner with me yeah um and also just sometimes you know when you're coming up with some of these programs or content like just staying the course yes that has been really hard especially when the voice of the enemy seems mm-hmm. to, to be a bit louder than what God told you. So you end up doubting. I've battled with imposter syndrome, wondering, okay, yeah. um, am I really doing what God, you know, am I the right person? And sometimes genuinely feeling as if I'm like, you know how like in sports you'd have like the sub or even like in acting and musical things, yeah. you'd have like a sub person mm-hmm. who would be like the sub when the role, I'm forgetting the name, like I'm, I'm really forgetting the name that, technical name but I know nothing about have like the main... <laughs> okay Maria you'd always have like the main person who's supposed to play and yeah. then on the bench you'd have those people who would come mm-hmm. in just in case there's an injury or if they were yeah. tired yeah. um and so for the longest time the enemy had me thinking and believing that I was on the bench and mm-hmm. that I was never like the main person God had called um, to do whatever I was doing. Mm -hmm. And so I think the hardest thing has been staying the course and reminding myself every single day that I am exactly where I'm supposed to be. And God has called me and equipped me with my faults, with my shortcomings and with everything. Like he's factored every single thing and every reason why I would discount myself. God factored that in and called me. So that has been the hardest thing because sometimes you wake up and you remind yourself and you're like, yes, I'm where I'm supposed to be. Other days, it's actually heavy and you're just like, no, I can't mm-hmm. occupy this seat. So yes. that's been the hardest. Yeah. Man. And just like with that whole, um, the illustration of given of being on the bench, I think when I think about you and I think about the ways in which you can have been quote unquote on the bench, but I've seen yeah. how you've used that so beautifully in ways when you're on the bench, but you're still watching the game. Like you're still in the game. You're praying for people who are on the field. You're observing how they're playing. You're encouraging and cheering them on. And you're also still listening to God for yourself. 
and man yeah i think what's also beautiful is and where where god's maybe challenging you is that area of your yes i've been on the bench but when the coach says it's time for you to get on it's knowing okay now is my time yes yeah now is go time yes and i think what you said about being a visionary and you know you're the designer you are your own social media marketer (laughs) you're everything right you learn everything on the job Listen, you learn on the job and I think it's how you bring excellence to it. Like I haven't seen anything mediocre that you've developed. Like the same energy that you bring oh, to your yeah. work, you're bringing it into um, your ministry. And I think it's just so admirable, honestly. Oh, Maria, you know, I would say I honestly do share the same sentiments about you, that and more. And you know that. So I really appreciate that. Oh, yes, Absolutely. And so what would you say for someone who, the same way that, you know, for you, God had told you years ago to start this, what advice would you yeah. give someone who feels like God's calling them to start something online, to start something in person? What would you tell them? I think I would just say, girl, get up. <laughs> <laughs> I would say go because, yeah. you know, and it's very human for you to think, that and that's what I'm learning Maria is that mm-hmm. sometimes our own limitations yeah. are not to keep you know incapacitated or keep us in that place of you know wallowing and saying oh but I fall short on this area and whatever it's really yeah. to humble us to realize and to look to God's ability and recognize that man I really can't do this yeah. so by the time I'm posting something or speaking somewhere yeah. when I finish that um you know when someone comes and says oh my goodness that was amazing or whatever the feedback is mm. I'm very confident to know that it's not because I am a a good communicator or I feel that I'm a good communicator or you know mm. sometimes I wonder you know if you think about David right yeah if he was of the same size as Goliath right mm-hmm. when people were coming to tell him that you know you've killed um Goliath Mm-hmm. He would have possibly been like, of course, because I'm of that stature, right? Yes, and yes. so sometimes I'm learning that, you know, it's not for you to just stay in that place of reminding yourself of where you fall short, mm-hmm. but it's in recognizing, okay, I fall short, but that's exactly how God is going to use me. So yeah. if you're out there and God has told you to do something, whether you feel like you fall short, whether you feel like you don't have the finances mm-hmm. or whatever it is that you feel that you need to get started you have all that you need to get started and just get started and watch god meet you there yeah. like there's no there's no time in our lives or even in the bible where someone stepped out for god and god didn't meet them there so yeah. all god is asking for you is to step out and watch him meet you in that place yeah that's so true and i remember like how we were even talking about what mike todd said a couple of years ago actually when they had their first conference and you're saying like all you have is all you need exactly and all you have is all you need yes Mm -hmm. it's like what's in Mm -hmm. your hand how can i use what's in my hand right now and right not not what's going to come to your hand Mm -hmm. what's in your hand yeah yeah not what's in someone else's hand either come on that's a word (laughs) that's a whole word that's a whole word (laughs) And so just been speaking into um, just like your process with the Redentist culture and all the things that God's called you to do. Talk a little yeah. bit about the the pressure to produce 
and to keep up with a way that you've done things and when God's changing yeah. direction of how you should do things. It's funny you should ask that because I'm currently in that season and I've been in a season of silence and just a season where it's very tricky, especially when God is calling you to a season of silence yeah. and just to pause, mm-hmm. to producing. You're seeing other people, you know, you're seeing other content creators or other people produce. People are writing books. People are putting up posts every day. Mm-hmm. And you just, you know, it's a very key to just lean in and press in and hear what is God saying mm-hmm. and not get caught up in the pressure to produce. Yeah, It doesn't matter what's on your content calendar. Is mm-hmm. it on what God has for his people? Is God saying for you to go? Wow. And I'm really just getting to the place where I'm just saying, God, if your hand is not on me, mm-hmm. I don't want to be, I don't want to be a content creator. Yeah. I want to be a voice that you can use, that you can trust my voice. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? You can trust me to communicate what you are saying and not to communicate because I need to put out content. Mm-hmm. And the danger with being in that space, or at least for me, like, you know, I I mean, I was literally churning out content every single day maria yeah and i start i had to pause because i realized i started noticing that i would equal the days when i wouldn't just do my devotional mm-hmm. for myself my own my own time with god yeah. and i would literally just end up studying the word of god just so that i can put out something wow and surely god has not called me to do that yeah. and so there's no pressure to produce. We put that pressure on, on ourselves. I would say the deeper pressure that we should have and our deepest desire is, mm-hmm. has God told me to say this? Yeah. And where is this coming from? Because yeah. at the end of the day, if it's not coming from a place of intimacy, it's mm-hmm. not going to sustain. It's not going to break change. It's not going to break yokes. It yeah. has to be from a place of God has told me to put this. And the minute you're very clear on, you know, even just with this whole season where um in a season of silence or having a season of silence. Yeah. I'm okay. I'm comfortable yeah. in seeing other people and sharing other people put out content because I know that their season of silence will come yeah. as well. Right? Yeah. Same analogy with the bench. Yeah. Your season of playing is now, I'm on the season of the bench. Mm-hmm. When my time comes to play, you might be on the bench, right? Yeah. Or yeah. you might be on the field with me. It's just recognizing mm-hmm. what you're in and not comparing yourself because in the very lane that you're in and in the very game that you're in and how God has called you to mm-hmm. or rather what God has called you to there's grace for that there's no grace for me to be there wouldn't be grace for me to post every single day right now because yeah. God has not called me to that yes. so I think we just need to release ourselves from the pressure trap yes. and just really lean and put ourselves on that place of saying mm-hmm. God I need to remember my life my timeline and everything that I may have yeah to your hand yeah yeah that's so good man that's such like i think i find myself there again and again and yeah. especially when you have people tell you like oh no why did you stop doing this you should do more of this or they send you like what Make other sense. people are doing <laughs> can we just talk about how the applause of man can equally just you yes. know kill you yeah yes because it's very easy to it's very easy to give into what the people want yes and it's not what they need it's not what god is calling of you in that moment come on yeah that is so true so i i completely hear you because I, i'm one of those people who's like oh yeah why haven't you put out something why haven't you guilty i'm guilty of that yes but after being in this seat i'm just like you know what <laughs> 
just respecting the space that people are in. That is so true, and that's that even place of coming to realize like my my identity in Christ is more important than my reputation or what people expect. Come on. Me. Yes, 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 yes to that. Yeah. And so the yeah. next thing I'd want to jump into mm-hmm. is you've been you've been very involved in young women's discipleship and just working with people one on one but you've also done a lot of like missions and with young women and schools. Talk a bit about that. Mm-hmm. How did you get into that? Um yeah, and what inspires you to continue to do that? Right. So I feel like I should just plug in Kubamba here real quick, real <laughs> quick because they really just <laughs> they been- in the plug. So yeah. after I finished high school and I was in this state of, you know, I'm going into university and I was very sure that I was not going to go to university in Kenya, Maria. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like, I was very sure that I was not going to go here. Mm-hmm. All my friends, you know, we had all applied to go to the US. Mm-hmm. And I remember when folks just told me that, no, I think you should do your first year, your first year here. I was mm-hmm. so crushed, Maria. Yeah. Because I had no idea of what the lay of the land would look like. I didn't know anyone. It was just starting from scratch. Yeah. Around that time, I happened to be introduced to Jigoshen Moz of yeah. Kubamba. Mm-hmm. And they were doing missions. And, you know, for the longest time, I really just felt like missionaries were like a special particular. Like God had called them specifically. And they would just, you know, I didn't know that missions could look like reaching out to your neighbor or even yeah. just your grocery, at your grocery store. Mm-hmm. And so when I met them, I was very drawn to, you know, just that whole space of, oh my goodness, like you guys are traveling and, you know, spreading out the word, like the word to Kenya and the world. Yeah. And so I, I was this girl who was bougie and I'm like, oh my gosh, you know, I've been called for missions, but a specific kind of missions, not... <laughs> Not, not your missions where you're going to sleep on the floor. Yeah. And I had to lay all that down. And mm-hmm. I basically just um quickly learned that, man, there's the harvest is plenty, but the labor is a few. Yeah. And it's not a problem of, it's not a, a harvest issue. It's a labor issue. Mm-hmm. And so... And so I basically just had to remind myself, and I think you reminded me this, I think a year and a half ago. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know if you remember, but you told me the Great Commission was not a suggestion. It was a command. And so just meeting people who are on fire for God mm-hmm. really helped everything. Yeah. Um, and so um, I started, that's where my first interaction with missions came to be. And then I realized that I was on the mission field, hey, as much as I love doing missions and reaching out, yeah. What I'm really passionate about is young women mm-hmm. and girls. Yeah. And so I would seek opportunities and even just tell, um, you know, the leaders of Kubamba and the mission team, like, guys, if you have a mission, please let me know because I was still in school and then transitioned into my first job. Mm-hmm. And they would always just call me for missions where it was like a girl's school. I've actually never gone to an, you know, an all boys school or something yeah. like that. And so yeah. that was my first interaction because I really wanted to reach out to women who were like me, girls mm-hmm. who were like me. Yeah. Um, and then speak to girls and say, be the kind of friend and the kind of person that I wish I had yes. when I was growing up. Yeah. So it's been beautiful along the way, met you, here we are doing a discipleship program. 
um, you know, in a pilot school, which I'm so excited about for 2022. Mm-hmm. Um, for me, I think that even the passion of discipleship came from a place of just recognizing it's not enough to tell someone about the gospel, right? Yes. And just that, it's that relentlessness. You know what I'm saying? Like yeah. having to walk with someone and just remind them that, hey, yeah. it gets hard because it's this whole idea that, you know, once you get born again, everything is going to be fancy dandy. And I think oh, the no. main reason yeah. if I'm really open as mm-hmm. to why I have a passion for discipleship mm-hmm. is because that's the one area in my life mm-hmm. that I felt was missing. And yeah. so... There have yes. been times when I genuinely, like, lost the plot. And yeah. I mean, like, on backslid and I was living, like, a double life. Yeah. And it was simply because there was no one to keep me accountable. There was no mm-hmm. one to actually tell me and, you know, just mentor me in the ways of the Lord. So, yeah. for me, that's where the passion came from. And I'm so excited about it. Yes, that's so true. Because when you think about, like, evangelism is where you basically introducing someone to Jesus, right? And then now discipleship is where it's actually teaching them what following Jesus mm-hmm. looks like. And it's not always, sometimes it's, yeah. so, it's so simple um, in terms of like, like just doing life with people, just the everyday, it doesn't have to look like right? a structure and a class. Exactly. Mm-hmm. So now that you've talked about you know, next year and discipleship in the school, tell us about followers. <laughs> Man, should the people know, Maria? <laughs> Let the people know. <laughs> um, so in 2022, there's this amazing opportunity um, mm-hmm. that, you know, God presented for both yourself and myself called mm-hmm. Followers mm-hmm. And it's basically just followers, but especially for the Gen Z, yes. recognizing that, man, you know, this is a generation that has if you think about it, like everyone is just always talking about Gen Z this, Gen Z that. And sure. for me, I'm just like, that's great that we can have all these stereotypes and all this data and statistics that are negative, to be honest, yeah. mm-hmm. about Gen Z. But it's time to paint a different narrative. Oh. What if we actually put ourselves on the ground and put ourselves to task to actually work in the Gen Z and yeah. change the narrative of what, you know, we, what they've been termed as. And so... Yeah. We're basically starting a program where we are developing a curriculum to work with Gen Z and especially um, girls. In a, so yeah. our pilot school is in a girls' school mm-hmm. and we will be doing that every month and we will be working with them, praying with them, coming up with a curriculum that has been tailored based on questions that they asked us and their interests with their career, with their sexuality, and just speaking into some of these great areas that ideally other people would shy away from, like yes. LGBTQ, mm-hmm. and just speaking into those areas because guess what? If we're not speaking into those areas, the world yeah. is going to speak into those areas, mm-hmm. and that's how we lose a whole generation. We ask ourselves, what happened? What yeah. is wrong about this generation? And it's because we stayed silent. So it's just followers is basically just Maria and I using our voices. To mm-hmm. say that not on our watch will this generation not know and have a relationship with Jesus. Yes. Amen. Mm-hmm. Man, it's just, it's so inspiring, honestly, just to, to watch you just do all the different things that you do with your career, like your professional life, but then also with ministry. And just watching you really pursue this, this concept of leaving it all on the field. Like just everything that you can right. do with every gift. It's such a gift to see that. Right. And yeah, I just pray that 
God continues to bless everything that you do. Amen. Listen, it's a proper gift. Like when you say for gift, it's a gift because I do not know. And I told you this recently. I do not know how we do all these things, how we juggle a career and then juggle ministry because yeah. it's crazy. It means, you know, and I guess that's the cost of following Jesus mm. is it sometimes means that you will not ideally have your weekends looking like others weekends. Sure, it sometimes yeah. may look like not resting. Mm-hmm. Um but it's all worth it. It's it all is. worth it. It absolutely mm-hmm. is. Okay, so now jumping into the rapid fire questions Christmas edition. Okay, okay, okay. Okay, are you ready? I'm ready. I'm ready, Maria. I'm ready. You know Christmas is my favorite time. Of the I year. know. <laughs> okay, favorite it's Christmas song. Most- Wonderful time. Oh, God. Yes. Should I give you yes a moment? No, no, no. I need a whole moment. I have a whole moment. Or do you want me to sing for you? Mary, did you know? Hallelujah. Carry on. <laughs> That's a miracle. I have a question for you. I have yes. a rapid fire question for you first. But I'm not just not asking. <laughs> okay, fine. Before you ask me, I just okay. have one, Maria. Okay, okay, fine. Go. Do you really think Mary knew? <laughs> do you think she didn't know? <laughs> That's a goodbye. <laughs> I just want to know. Did she know? Or did she not know? Like I just want to know. <laughs> okay, let's Mary go. Mary knew. Mary knew. Mary knew. Okay, favorite Christmas song. Okay. My favorite Christmas song has to be between a tie between Holy Night and Christmas Shoes. Oh, okay, okay. Favorite mm. Christmas food or Christmas drink? Oh, Christmas! I'll go with Christmas drink. I knew. It. I love the. Oh, you knew this. Double peppermint mocha from Java. Yes. Java, if you're hearing this, Java, us. if you are hearing <laughs> this, I'm ready. I'm ready for you to sponsor this podcast. I'm ready to be your ambassador. Listen, that drink is of the Lord and is just really doing the Lord's work. It really <laughs> is. So, God bless Java. God okay. bless Java. Favorite Christmas movie. Favorite Christmas movie? Hmm. I have two answers for you. Oh, One, God. any and every Hallmark movie is <laughs> my favorite. All of Christmas them because they they have the same storyline. But I also feel like Home Alone was a really good Christmas movie. One, two, or three? Like you know, I forget. I think it was two. Two is the one where like the woman was was screaming, "Kevin!" Yes, Lost in New York. That's the best. Yes, 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 yes. Okay, I hundred uh, percent put my seal of approval on all the things that you have said. TSA approved. <laughs> TSA approved. So, last <laughs> thing, um, just of course, like with everyone on the podcast, is to speak into what I think makes them dangerous. And honestly, yeah. for you, Esther, I think what makes you incredible, incredibly dangerous to the kingdom of darkness, um, is just your light and your fire. You, I think anyone who gets a chance to know you, you are extremely thoughtful. You remember, like you pay attention to details. Um, you just considerate, generous. You invest in people. You pour yourself out in passion, and it's not just for people who are like in your inner circle, but it's just everyone and anyone. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. And just like your gentleness and your excellence with everything that you do, of course, like your professional life, your ministry life, and then you're just very sensitive to the spirit of God. And I think that makes you incredibly yeah. dangerous. Yes. You didn't tell me to carry tissue. 
That is so sweet, Maria. And I'm so grateful for you, to be honest, because everything that you've said about me, to be honest, there are times that, you know, you've been the fuel to just reminding me of whether it's being of a different spirit or it's having an underbold response, whether it's just being able to run alongside someone and just, you know, sometimes you just need to look at someone and you're running and you're like, man, I feel like I'm tired, but yes. this person is either cheering me on or running with me. And so I just also want to speak over you and say that I'm so grateful for your friendship, for just your yes to the kingdom, for how you've been relentless and how you've loved on other people, even when it's cost you, for how you're always constantly speaking life into other people. And it's not so much about what you do, it's about who you are. So I really do appreciate you and want to take this time to just equally celebrate you dangerous woman who's out here just you know rallying people soon it'll be many dangerous women not a few (laughs) yes come on i receive that oh thank you so much so thank you so much again just for for being part of this episode and i'm so excited for us to go into part two and dive into just the life of mary yes oh my god i can't wait i can't wait love you love you